this uh, Thursday through Saturday, we went to visit Sheila's family in Toledo. You ever been to Toledo? Do you know uh, the old John Denver song? Saturday night in Toledo, Ohio is like being nowhere at all. So every time I go see my in-laws, that's what I sing. <laughs> Friday afternoon, we went to see American Underdog. Great movie, by the way. At the 12.20 showing in Toledo. About 3 p.m. after the movie was over, I came out of the theater and piped into the hallways our advertisements audio advertisements. And as I'm coming out of the theater, I'm hearing um, about an upcoming movie event that I thought was strange. And usually I don't even pay attention. Usually it, I'm, I just, it just goes right in one ear and out the other. I don't even know what they're talking about. But this one was come on January 17th to a special movie presentation to celebrate Betty White's 100-year birthday. <coughs> and it stuck with me. And the first thing I thought was, that's an odd thing for a movie theater to be doing. Second thought was more cynical. Well, there's money in that. That's why they're doing it. And then, um, and, and then I looked at my phone after coming out of the movie theater to, to discover that all over social media, Betty White had passed away while I was in the theater. At 12.20, I went in the theater. She was alive. At 3 o'clock, I came out, and she had passed away. When I entered the theater, the plans were for a big birthday celebration of her life. When I came out of the theater, plans had already begun to be made of a celebration of her life in the past. Now, I don't know anything about Betty White. I, I know very little about Betty White, except what everybody's saying, that she was a great person and all that. Um, but someday, what happened to Betty White on Friday is going to happen to us. Perspective. Going into the theater, she was alive. Coming out of the theater, she had passed away. That moment in time changes everything. And every single one of us is going to have, that, have to face that same thing. When we stand before God <clears throat> at the judgment, we will all have the same perspective as well. And the perspective is this. <coughs> Excuse me. Jesus is Lord. Amen. That will be the perspective. Every single person has. It's not the perspective everybody has now, but when they stand before Jesus, that will be the perspective. Okay. So it behooves us, and I like that word. I don't know why. I just, it's, it, it behooves us then to work hard now to get that perspective because we're all going to get there. We're all going to stand before Jesus. We're all going to, and, and whether we serve him here or not, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. It takes me long enough to 
preach anyway. This is going to be a long one. I have to stop every five seconds. So we're going to talk about perspective today. And this is, like I say, this is not new. We've looked at most of the scriptures we're going to look at. Um, In the past, we've studied them, we've seen them. But it feels like now more than ever, receiving and living God's perspective is so essential. Life has been turned sideways in so many ways in the last few years, hasn't it? It's not like it was ever before. It's not going back to the way it was before. Um, I've talked to a number of different people who say it just seems like death is all around us as it's never been before. And according to government statistics, they tell us that it doesn't just seem that way. It's reality. That actually life expectancy dropped in the last couple of years by 1.5 years. So if you're getting older and you are banking on living to a certain age, you might want to rethink that. <clears throat> and it's not just the medical issues. In um, the, um, I forget who the, the agency is, but they reported that there are more um, suicides in a 12-year period in the United States than ever before in the history of our nation. There are more, um, and, w- and I personally know, at least one person who was a part of this church who committed suicide. There's more homicides. Does it, uh, you ever hear about, you know, on the news, and it just seems like there's so many people being killed. Yeah, it's It's real. Sickness feels like it's more pervasive. Fears are controlling people as never before. Conflict of every kind is around us that we never imagined would be there. So with all of that, I'm just a bearer of good news, aren't I? With all of that in mind, and we go to the scriptures, in Romans 8.28, <coughs> And it says, for we know that in all things God works together for good. Since we know that that is true, we look at all that's happening in our culture, all that's happening in our world, and we know that God is doing good. And I think a part of that good, he's turning around for good, is an invitation for us to get his perspective. It's an invitation for the world to pay attention that life is not going to be the same. When things change, when things are disrupted, it's an invitation for us to look to God to see what he's up to instead of going about our lives as if we can control everything. So I believe all of this is an invitation for us to get that heavenly realm right side up perspective. How do we do that? Every situation presents a choice of perspective. How do we choose God's perspective? So open your Bible to 2 Kings chapter 6, beginning with verse 8. We're going to be talking about what it looks like living with the right side up, heavenly realm perspective. <clears throat> Second Kings chapter 6. Beginning with verse 8. We pick up an historical account of the nation of Israel. It says, Once when the king of Syria was warring against Israel, 
He took counsel with the servants, saying, It's such and such a place shall be my camp. But the man of God sent word to the king of Israel, Beware that you do not pass that place, for the Syrians are going down there. And the king of Israel sent to that place about which the man of um, sent to the place about which the man of God told him. This he used to warn him, so that he saved himself there more than once or twice. So <clears throat> situation is nation of Israel is fighting against Syria, and the prophet Elisha, <clears throat> listening to God, serving the king, listens to the Holy Spirit knows the plans of the, the king of Syria, the nation of Syria, the army, and he sends to the king of, of Israel, don't go that way, that's where the army's going to be. And so he listens, and he saves himself. Will you not show me who of us is for the king of Israel? Did I, did I get that out of line? Oh, I jumped, Okay. And the mind, okay, verse 11, and the mind of the king of Syria was greatly troubled because of this thing. And he called his servants and said to them, who will you not show me who of us is for the king of Israel? So here's the, the, the king of Syria saying, how in the world does he know our plans? The only way that he could know not to go there was if somebody's telling him. And so he looks at his war council and he says, okay, who's the spy? There is no spy. Verse 12. Uh, and, and just, I, I put in my nose, eternal perspective will drive people with an earthly perspective crazy. Amen. When you're living for God and you're following his ways, it'll drive other people crazy. And they will attack you. So verse 12, one of the servants said, none of, none, my Lord, O king, but Elijah the prophet who is in Israel tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. So he said, go. <coughs> see where he is. Then I may send and seize him. It was told of him, behold, he is in Dothan. So he sent their horses and chariots and a great many, and they came by night and surrounded the city. So they know who's responsible. Elisha is listening to God telling the king of Israel, and he knows. He's telling them. He's saving them, and, and, and so the enemy understands that, and they get mad, and so they try to attack. And so instead of attacking the army of Israel, he goes after Elisha. And so he sends chariots and a great army for one man, Elisha. When the servants of the man of God rose, when the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was around the city. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? You will face difficulties in life. You will face dangers in life. This was real. Elijah was doing God's work, helping the nation of Israel who were God's people. And as a result, the enemy comes after him. That will be the way we experience life. When you are following Jesus Christ as your Savior and you're doing what he wants you to do, Satan will do whatever he can to marshal people and, and situations and circumstances around you to try to discourage you, defeat you, to get you off track. If you're looking at the earthly realm perspective, you will see the danger. But if you're looking, at, if you're looking to God and getting a heavenly realm perspective, something different happens. 
earthly realm perspective causes fear and panic. When you're looking at the danger, when you're looking at the difficulty, when you're looking at those things that cause us to fear, invite us to fear, it will cause us to panic and it will cause you to be stupid because you lose your mind. And that's what happens with the servant of the man of God. He says, look, we're going to die. What shall we do? There's all these soldiers. There's no, he sees no way out. And there is no earthly way out. There's no plan that could get him out of the city, away from those chariots, away from those horses, and to safety. They're surrounded. But the man of God says, do not be afraid. And it struck me this week as I was studying that the reason the Bible is is so full of scriptures that say, do not be afraid, do not fear, do not panic, do not be afraid, do not be afraid, do not be afraid, is not because we should just figure out how not to be afraid. It's because when you have the presence of God, you begin to see from an earthly realm perspective, and there's nothing to fear. Notice what happens. Do not be afraid. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And this is one of those moments in the Bible accounts that when I would have loved to have been there, to see the look on the servant of God's, or the man of God's servant's face, because that makes no sense whatsoever. There we are. Elijah, his servant, sitting there. They're both looking out all around them. Chariots of the Syrian army. Horses of the Syrian army. They're surrounding. They're coming to capture them. They're both standing there looking at the same scene. And Elijah says to the servant, don't be afraid. What are you talking about? Don't be afraid. We're going to die. Those who are with us are more than those who are with the enemy. And, and I can just imagine him going, <laughs> Elijah, it looks like it's two against the world. I, what are you talking about? When God begins to give us his heavenly realm perspective, it won't make sense until we begin to see it with his eyes, until we begin to see from his perspective. Because this was real. These horses and chariots were real. The danger was real. The odds were real, too, against all of them from a heavenly realm perspective reality. Then Elijah prayed and said, O Lord, Please open his eyes that he may see. Which is a prayer we ought to be praying all the time. Lord, help us to see through your eyes. Open our eyes so that we're seeing what you want us to see. Help us to see from your perspective. Help us to see what you see. And and I'm telling you, every time you get into a, a situation and you don't understand it, pause. I say, God, what are you seeing here? What are you seeing in this situation? What are you seeing in this this struggle? What are you seeing in this conflict? What are you seeing in this person? What is it that you see? Because that's what's really real. The Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. One moment, the servant is standing there beside Elisha, and he's counting one, two, 
the next moment when his eyes are open, when he can see in the unseen realm around Elisha, chariots and horses of fire, powerful, supernatural army. And in that moment, wouldn't you love to have been there and, and, and when, when this servant saw that, his eyes would get big as saucers, his, his, his jaw would drop, and, and he tried to say something, but nothing would come out because suddenly it's gone from earthly realm reality to heavenly realm reality, and that was really real. Note, he, write this down, he was seeing what was really real. A moment before, he was seeing from the earthly realm, and it was real. But the next moment, he's seeing what was really real. What is really real is the, in the unseen. What is real is here. It's not that this life is not real. It's just that it's not the deeper reality. And so he's seeing what was really real for the first time. And it changes everything. It's why Elijah could say, don't be afraid. It's why God can say to you, don't be afraid. Whatever you're facing, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And, and uh, I think it's the first John, it says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. It's the same principle. The power of God, the, the, the person of God within us is greater than anything that we face in this life. Verse 18, and when the Syrians came down against him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, please strike these people with blindness. So he struck them with blindness in accordance with the prayer of Elisha. Just like that, the whole situation changes. Just like that, they went from being in danger to being in, God being in control. And they went from being, he, the servant thinking he was going to die to recognizing that God is the God who saves. So let's talk about how do we, how do we begin to capture that? The first bullet point there is that a right side up heavenly realm perspective is a 180 degree shift. It's a 180 degree shift. And that's why we can't ever get it in this life. It has to be right side up. The world we live in that we've talked about over and over again is upside down. In order to get God's perspective, he has to turn it right side up. That's why repentance, going our own way, is a, repentance is a 180 degree shift. We're going our own way. In order to turn to God, we have to do a 180-degree turn and turn back to Him. It's a 180-degree shift. One of my life verses is Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9. For my, God says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as, high as, the, heavens are, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. We can't even measure how different God's thoughts are. Because it's a 180 degree shift. So one moment, the servant is standing there thinking there's just two of them. The next moment, because he makes that 180 degree shift, he's given a 180 degree shift. He's given heavenly realm eyes. He sees for what is really real. It wasn't, no, no, I, listen to me. It wasn't that the chariots and the horses of the Syrian army weren't real. It wasn't that there was a reason from an earthly realm perspective to be afraid. It's just that they weren't really, they weren't what was really real. You're going to face dangers. You're going to face difficulties. You're going to face sickness. You're going to face death. You're going to face all the stuff in this world that Satan wants to use to, to cause us to be afraid. 
but that's not what's really real. The next bullet point says the heavenly realm perspective is received. It's received. And, and I think this is, is an important point because um, culturally, I think in this Western culture, we have this idea that we have to earn things. We have to work at things. We have to discover things. We have to, we have to uh, somehow be good enough or do, do enough in order to have the spiritual per- perspective. You can't earn it. You can't figure it out. You can't discover it. The only way that you get a heavenly realm perspective is to receive it. It's it. So there's the servant. One moment. He's afraid. Elisha prays. And what what happens? God gives him heavenly realm eyes. And so no matter how hard you work at it, you can't get heavenly realm perspective. And so we have to work hard at surrendering and receiving. And asking God to show us. It is as we surrender that God will transform us, recalibrate us so that we can see. And for Elisha, it wasn't that he had become such a great man of God in his own abilities that he'd studied the Torah. and he'd, No, it was, it was the Spirit of God that had filled him that gave him the ability to see in the unseen realm. Turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1. Begin with verse 15. Ephesians chapter 1. Does anybody need a Bible? Everybody got a Bible? Ephesians chapter 1, beginning with verse 15. the Holy Spirit's writing through the Apostle Paul and he says for this reason because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints I do not cease to give thanks for you remembering you in all my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of glory may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him Notice what he's praying. Not that you get smart enough, not that you grow enough, that, not that you study enough, but that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ will give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. It's as we receive, we surrender ourselves and the Holy Spirit. It's the presence of God that gives us his perspective. It's the presence of God that gives us the ability to see through unseen eyes. That's why... When you begin to see from that heavenly realm perspective and you're talking to somebody else who's not, you get this blank look on their face. And they, and they can be claiming to be followers of Jesus Christ and you're trying to talk to them and it's just like, you know, just because you can't get it by studying hard enough. You can't get it by being a Christian long enough. You can only get it by the Holy Spirit giving you. He wants to give it to us, but it comes through surrender and a lot of people aren't willing to surrender. You can't earn it. It can only be received. Verse, go on, verse 18. Having the eyes of your heart enlightened, so you're, he's opening up your heart to, to the light of that unseen, <coughs> that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. 
What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? According to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills it all. And so he's saying, my prayer is that God will give you the Holy Spirit to enlighten you, to give you understanding, to give you his perspective. And it's only as we surrender to him that we receive that. Now flip over to chapter 2, verses 5 to 7. He goes on with this theme and builds it from a little bit different angle. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 5 says, Even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. First book I wrote was called From Where God Sits. This, that's the goal. We receive his spirit so that he takes us as if we're sitting with him and we're looking at life through his eyes. We're looking at life through his perspective. And so we are already citizens of heaven. We already belong there. We we need to have heavenly eyes that he gives us. But it only comes as we surrender, listen, and obey. And so it's only, it's received. Which brings us to the next bullet point. The right side up heavenly round perspective is incremental transformation. It's incremental transformation. So it's, well, it's both and. And so there's there's a moment when we accept Christ as Savior and we surrender to his presence, that he gives us his presence and we begin to see things differently. But then it, as we surrender more and more, he gives us the ability to see more and more from that perspective. It's this maturing process. And that's why throughout the New Testament, we, say, we, we read passages like leave the elementary things and go on to deeper things. Because, why? Because you, there's, there's this transformation that occurs. And Romans 12, 1 and 2, surrendering ourselves completely to him so that we know what the will of God is. We know what his, we see, we're seeing through his eyes. It's in this incremental transformation. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 16 to 18, this is, um, <clears throat> oh, this is, this is in, the, in the same kind of section from our memory verse. He says, but when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. He's talking about the veil of, uh, that prevents people from seeing the unseen seeing what is real, seeing what God is all about, seeing who Jesus for who he really is, is removed. Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all with unveiled face, as he, re- he re- notice, he removes the veil, not us. He removes the veil as we surrender to his spirit, filling us more and more, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is spirit. And so it's this, at every day that we surrender, 
we, we, he, he has a little bit more of us. He is able to reveal a little bit more to us so that we begin to see differently. It's this incremental transformation. And so as Malachi was up here with me, how old is Malachi? Three. So he's three years old. And um, I asked him to count his toes and he came up with 11. And we laugh at that. But if I ask Matthew to come up here and sit beside me and count his toes, if he comes up with 11, <laughs> we go, there's something wrong with that boy. <laughs> Why? Because there's this expectation. When you're little, it's just, you don't expect. But as we grow, there's a greater expectation. Because physically, we are transformed from children into adults incrementally over a period of years. Um, and, and so spiritually, it happens the same way. The longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. That's a song that each one of us should be able to, to sing because the, longer, the more we surrender to him, the more satisfying it is. And the more we surrender to him, the more we see things differently. It's incremental transformation. That and so that's why we have to continue this process of surrender. And then the last bullet point the right side up, heavenly realm perspective requires our best efforts. Our best efforts to learn how to receive from God, not how to, to work it on our own, um, but rather how do we grow? How do we learn? How do we stretch? Um, do you remember years ago the magic eye pictures? Mm -hmm. Remember those magic eye pictures where it, you know, on the surface it looked like all this jumble and usually would, you could, there would be kind of a picture there. Yeah, so on the surface it's kind of like, yeah, Patterns. I don't know what geometric is. <laughs> Patterns, <laughs> yeah, shapes, yeah. So, and it, it looked okay. I mean, it was kind of psychedelic, I guess. I don't know. What, geometric. It was geometric, okay? <clears throat> but that wasn't the point. Mm -hmm. The point was to see the picture beyond the picture. And, the, and, and most people live their lives in this human world on the surface like that. But that's not the point. The point isn't just to eat and to work and to sleep and to have relationships and, and then to die. That's not the point. But most people, even a lot of Christian peoples, will just, will just see the surface. In order, and, and it was so interesting because um, our kids would bring those magic eye pictures home and everybody would try to see the picture that was embedded in the picture. And I won't mention any names, but there were some people in our family who just couldn't seem to do it. No matter how hard you explained it, you couldn't <laughs> look past it. I am looking past it. No, it will cross your eyes. I am crossing my eyes. Well, hold it and just keep your eyes on it. I am doing that. And I can't see anything. And there are a lot of people, I would say most people, who live with the surface. In order to live the life that God has designed us to live, we have to be able to see past the surface, 
to the picture that's really real, the picture that's really there. That was the servant of Elisha's problem. He was seeing just the surface. But when God, God wants to open our eyes so that we see beyond the surface. We see the picture beyond the picture, beyond the superficial. Now, if you, and, and, I, and I think, I don't know, if the person in our family who <laughs> couldn't get it had kept working at it, I think they would probably would have been able to see it. And we have to keep working at it. Because ever at the point where I think, okay, God, I think I'm zen, he peels back another layer. And he goes, here, here, let me show you something more. Let me show you something more. And with every layer, there's deeper satisfaction. There's deeper joy. There's deeper relationship. There's deeper intimacy. There's deeper alignment. There's deeper joy. We have to keep working at it. We can't give up. So if you still have your finger in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, look at, uh, well, I think I printed it for you. Here's our memory verse. For this light momentary affliction, whatever you're going through, whatever difficulty you're going through, is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Whatever you're going through, it's preparing. As you surrender, listen, obey. As you listen to him, as you ask God to show you what's really real, what, what is really going on, it's opening for us a weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient. They're not permanent. They're passing. But the things that are unseen are eternal. Keep... And, and so the, gram, the, the, um, the grammatical construction is there as we look and keep looking, as we keep looking, as we continue to surrender, as we continue to look to God. And then chapter five, verses six and seven. So I almost chose this one. It's a little bit shorter. I didn't want to let you off the hook with a memory verse. So, <laughs> so we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord for we walk by faith not by sight. We walk by seeing the unseen. We by seeing what is really real. That everything changed for the servant of Elisha that quick because he began to see what was really real. Everything changed. He went from the panic of we're going to be destroyed to seeing we got this. God's really in control. He's going to save us. And then when he watches Elijah just pray, Lord blind them and poof, the whole army goes blind. That servant had to just be in awe. And you will be in awe when you begin to see more and more every situation from God's perspective. You'll be in awe in what he's up to. And you'll be able to live with any momentary difficulty. The ability not to fear is linked to the ability to see in the unseen realm. Well, what do we do? I think it comes, so as I was getting ready this morning, a kid's instruction came to mind. I don't know, see if you learned this in kindergarten. Stop, look, and listen. Anybody? Not stop, it's not stop, and <laughs> stop, drop, and roll. Uh, I have to work on that. I don't know how you make that spiritual. <laughs> stop, look, and listen before you cross the street. First you use your eyes, then you use your ears, and then you use your feet. 
Did, was that just an Ohio thing? I mean, I learned that in kindergarten. Stop, look, and listen. Every time you come to a situation, instead of thinking, I got to figure this out, I got to do this, I, I got to take some kind of action, I got to, I got to, stop. Just stop. And say, God, what is it that you're seeing here? And look to him and listen for what he has to say. Stop, look to him, listen to what he has to say before you do anything else. First you use your eyes, spiritual eyes, then you use your ears, your spiritual ears, and then and only then do you act. If we would do that, it would save us a whole lot of problems, a lot of issues, a lot of conflicts, a lot of struggles, because we would be operating on God's perspective. God wants us to understand his perspective and what he wants us to do more than we want it. And so if we stop and say, God, what is it that you're seeing here? Do you think he will tell us? I, I, I expected somebody to nod their head. Do you think he'll tell us? Yes. He wants to tell us. He, he tells us to look to him. And when he tells us to do something, that means he'll make the provision. Stop, look, and listen. So here's some actions that you can take. I, you can just write, write things down. You may write things down that I didn't even say. It all starts with time with God. <coughs> time with God. And that's why every year we provide this. And so this is our devotional book. And um, for this year, it's designed a little bit different. It starts, it doesn't give you dates. Rather, it gives you a starting. So Monday is actually the first day. I don't know what you've done for the first two days of the year. You probably backslid. <laughs> but yeah, waiting for Monday. But listen, so he, you know, all of what I shared with you is what I sense God was leading us to for today. Listen to what God has prepared for us tomorrow. I cheated and read ahead. People are meant to live in an ongoing conversation with God. <laughs> you think God is trying to tell us something? Speaking and being spoken to by him. God's visits to Adam and Eve in the garden, Enoch's walks with God in the face-to-face -face conversations between Moses and Jehovah are all commonly regarded as highly exceptional moments in the religious history of humankind. Aside from their obviously unique historical role, however, these moments are not meant to be exceptional at all. Rather, they are examples of the Norman, normal human life intended for us. God's indwelling his people through his personal presence and fellowship. That's what God has for us. Stop, look, and listen. And so a daily time with God, reading your devotional book, Reading the scripture passages, these are back here for you. The, these are, this is a cover you can put in, if you already have a, a notebook, you can put it there. And then um, the assigned Bible reading passages, spending time listening for what he has to say. Asking those, the three questions, God, um, what struck out to you? What do you sense God's saying that struck out to you? And what do you need to do in response? So listening as, as you're reading your Bible, as you're reading the devotional book, and then knees and nudges. That, really, that's a, a lot of what we're talking about here. You start your day, surrender to him, and then as you go throughout your day, God, what are you seeing here? 
Let me see what you see. And then deeper experiencing God with others. God is very clear that he wants us in community. So that, and, and when we are in community, looking to him, he reveals things to us through one another that we won't experience if we're just by ourselves. I cannot tell you the influence that Michael Heiser has had on me in the last year and a half. Um, all the Bible passages that I used to look at and go, it's in the Bible. I have no clue. I would read commentaries. I, can't, I couldn't get it. I couldn't figure it out. I'm going, I know there's, the commentaries are saying this, but that didn't make sense. It just didn't ring true. And then uh, through a miraculous set of circumstances, um, I call it miraculous, it's supernatural. I believe God was behind all kinds of nudges. Um, I was led to his book, The Unseen Realm, and, and he just began to look at the Bible from a heavenly realm perspective in ways that I'd never seen before. And all those passages that I used to go, suddenly it went, oh, oh, now it makes sense. Now, that... And that makes all the sense in the world. And so as we prayed and thought about what to do for learning community as we start the new year, I was headed one direction and I just kept getting nudged back to uh, us st studying um, a video. It's actually a video teaching by Michael Heiser called Supernatural. This is a book that is... Um, kind of foundational. It gives you the background to it. It will be helpful if you read it ahead or read it afterwards. Um, and so we bought some. You, you don't have to have this book to, to be a part of the learning community um, because we're going to watch his teaching and then we're going to discuss it and, and look at scripture. But if you'd like to have, we bought 15 copies, um, $15. If you want to reimburse the church, if you can't afford to do that, just take one. Um, and if we need more, we can order more. So Thursday, we're going to start this. And it has helped me see from the heavenly realm perspective in ways that I've never seen before. So I encourage you, even if you haven't been part of the learning communities in the past, you need to. If you can't make it, we record them and you need to watch it. Because this is, I believe, as I've as said in learning community, that 2022 is significant in some way. And I think this is part of it is seeing from God's vantage point, seeing life as he sees it instead of assuming that we know what's really going on. And so let me encourage you um, to be a part of the learning community. Get the book if you want it. And then I could list a whole bunch of other stuff. But what I, well, let me, let me close with this. Betty White has lived her life and now it's done. And that's true for all. That's going to be true for every single one of us. By external indication, I'm not her judge. I don't know that much about her. But from what I, I have viewed of her life, I don't see a lot of indication that she was following Christ. She, I don't know, maybe in her last day. I don't know. But what I do know is she was lauded and praised for being a great person in this life. 
She was encouraging to other people. They say she was enjoyable to be around. All of that's nice. It's not going to mean a thing when she faces Jesus. The only thing that's going to matter is that she have a relationship. Did she turn to Christ? And it's the same for us. The only judgment that matters is Jesus. So doesn't it behoove us <laughs> to put all our, our best effort into having that relationship? And set aside those things that are distracting, those things that maybe everybody else is doing, but if we want to really double down and really have this relationship with God that gives us a heavenly perspective that prepares us for eternity, doesn't it behoove us to do everything we got? Amen. Would you bow your heads? What do you sense God saying to you out of all that we talked about? And why do you think he's saying it? And what do you think he wants you to do with it? It's, it really is incremental. It's one day at a time, one step at a time, one hour at a time sometimes. But what I have learned is that God is is working harder for us than we will ever work. And we just need to keep turning to him, listening and following his nudge. If we do that, we will experience his life from a heavenly realm perspective in ways that we can't imagine. But it starts with surrender. And so I would encourage you to afresh to say, God, here I am. Whatever you want, however you want it. Give me your direction to know how to surrender, how to listen, and how you want me to obey. Lord, I pray that you would do whatever it takes to draw us to that place. <laughs> to stop assuming that we know really listen, to look to you and listen. I pray for us as a congregation, God, that you would lead us to experience you deeper than we've ever experienced you before. And then to be used by you in your mission, to be a light, to be salt to everyone around us. We give ourselves to you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.